We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius, and we're recording right after the Lakers fell 118-113 in a game that was advertised, D, as kind of a dress rehearsal for the regular season. This in the final game um, was was said to be as such. And if that's the case, uh, I think they need to maybe change a couple lines before they get to opening night. Probably the first action from the main players, the guys who are going to play the main groups that was a bit disappointing and kind of honestly reminiscent of last year in a number of ways. They've played well in the competitive portions up to this point, but tonight wasn't one of those nights. What do you see in tonight's loss against Minnesota? It's interesting that you say that it sort of reminded us of last year. Um, and I think you had mentioned that in our text thread as well. And the Lakers looked small tonight. Um, it was the first game that Dennis Schroeder played. And Darvin um, decided to play all six guards that are in the rotation. So he made a starting lineup change. Um Russ started again. So the three main guys were all back. Russ, LeBron, and AD, they all played. Um, but next to them, it was Patrick Beverly who started, who'd also sat out the last couple of games, and Lonnie Walker with a surprise start. Um, so the Lakers basically played three guards um, for Minnesota. Not So no Gobert and no Towns. Um so Nas Reed started for them, and I can't remember who started at power forward for them. Yeah, Kyle Anderson and Jaden McDaniels. That's right. It was Kyle Anderson, basically. So sort of a stretchy four, um, small ball four, ball handling four, and McDaniel, right? And so when you have a lineup like that, it's going to be LeBron who's going to guard the forward who is sort of the who has the least amount of motor or is the less sort of offensively challenging player. And Kyle Anderson is that dude, right? And so this is where, and we've talked about this in the past, Pete, that when you have this many guards and you play them all, one of those guards is going to have to defend up. 
And normally, if that's a sort of ball-dominant wing, it's going to be Pat Bev who defends up. But this game, the Timberwolves start D'Angelo Russell at point guard, and they start Anthony Edwards at shooting guard, right? So Pat Bev is going to take one of those Mm -hmm. guys. And then Lonnie Walker is going to take the other one of those guys. I thought Walker actually played well defensively, um, and I thought that his athleticism was a good matchup for Mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards, who is a very athletic player. But Russ ended up then having to defend up on Jaden McDaniels. And um, just to sort of reiterate what I was saying earlier, the Lakers looked small against this team. And I thought particularly Russ just looked small guarding a bigger wing like McDaniels, particularly a bigger wing who has motor. And I understand not putting LeBron on one of those those guys because you don't want him having to sort of chase for box outs and do all of that stuff. We saw him have to do that against Minnesota last year, and he didn't do it that well. And honestly, Russ didn't look equipped to play that mm-hmm. sort of role either. And so I don't want to pin this on Russ at all, but I do think that his presence in that lineup and him having to play the defensive Mm -hmm. role that he did. And then starting another sort of usage guard next to LeBron and AD sort of took the ball out of his hands offensively in ways. Mm -hmm. And that showed in the box score, right? He only got up three, three shot attempts. Um, That's very low for Russell Westbrook in a game where he plays 25 minutes and he seemed like the odd man out, but a guy who, was sort of put into and it, it is supposed to play an important role. So he's he's in a lot of these 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 lines, but he seemed to be the player who did not fit in in ways that honestly earlier this preseason I didn't feel that way. But tonight mm-hmm. it looked like that to me. Where were you at with not only with Russ, but in general with the sort of idea that I've brought up around size and athleticism yeah. and wing everything, right? We're we're the guys we played tonight were small. JTA was out uh, with the bruised tailbone, so he was inactive. And Wenyon didn't play until uh, the fourth quarter. And so those six guards that we've been talking about all played within the first eight minutes of the game. It was remarkable, right? You start the first three and then off the bench, Austin, Dennis, and none had all come in by the four-minute mark of the first quarter. And it was that that Russ at the three and that your point about him only taking three shots is there are so many guys who are ball dominant guards, like guards that need the ball in his hand, their their hands that like, we just can't play this many guards for it to be functional. Because one of the things that I thought, I think that you lose the value when you play that many guards. It's like, diminishing returns. Yeah. It's a lot of diminishing returns. Exactly. Like Austin, I thought Austin didn't get enough touches. I thought K Nunn didn't get enough touches to start the game and was in a bad rhythm like after that. And I didn't think he played particularly well after that, but that's part of it, right? Is that like, he's not the type of guard that is going to touch the ball every two, three minutes on a catch and shoot jumper and be particularly effective. He needs to feel the ball a little bit, right? And that's the kind of guard he is, but we got a lot of those types of guys. And so that when you've got a lot of those guys, only a couple of them on any individual possession can really 
do that and like really launch an attack off of the dribble, which is the basis of this offense. But when there's four guys, D, there were there was a lineup where we were playing four guards. Russell Westbrook yeah. was our power forward, and that's it's so I I. I noticed the same thing you did about Russ and about he like stood out on both ends as like being the wrong person for the job that's being asked of him more than anything. Um, But it was also kind of the function of the collective, right? Where it was, there's just so many small guys where like, I talked a lot last year about the right shape of our team. And I don't believe this tonight is the correct shape of our team. Well, it's like buying a tool set, right? And you buy a yeah. tool set and uh, you open it up and you're just like, well, why is my tool set full of wrenches? Yeah. It's just like, wait, no, wait, I really needed a screwdriver in this and, and a hammer and some other stuff. And you just didn't get it, right? And, and this is where, too, things look smoother when you have a lot of guys who require the ball, but on some nights those guys don't play. Right. And and so like we talk a lot about Russ. I thought early on in the game, Pat Bev was on some extra stuff as well, yeah. where I was yeah. just like, hey, <laughs> bro, like you don't need to shoot a pull up three in transition when the shot clock is two seconds off. I don't need you getting scored on on one end of the court and then thinking like, oh, well, I'm going to go get this back and then drive into traffic and have a wild pass that is basically a turnover. Um, so I thought that Pat Bev wasn't sort of on his best behavior. And when early on after the signing, it was sort of plays like that, that were like, Hey, when you get Pat Bev, you get some of that stuff too, which is a little bit like the dial doesn't turn down for him. And a lot of that is positive stuff, but sometimes there's some negatives that, that come with that as well. And so I don't want to act as though Russ was the culprit and he was the one who was making bad decisions and bad choices. He, he did have a couple of early of early shot attempts that were both, I thought like rough shots. Like he didn't need to take a three. Um, One of those threes that he took, I thought that was a particularly bad three. He's on the sideline a lot now. And Russ isn't a player who has been asked to attack from the sideline a lot. And so in the Mm -hmm. first, like over the course of his career is, is what I'm saying. And Mm -hmm. so on a couple of his first three or four possessions, he's driving out of the sideline and he steps on the out of bounds line. Now Mm -hmm. that's a turnover that happens once or twice in NBA game, but typically the same player doesn't make that same turnover twice right? Mm -hmm. Because they're sort of used to playing out of that spot. And Russ is clearly not. So there was just stuff like that, that, that stood out to me. I also thought that the Lakers just weren't as sharp mentally. Like they looked like a team that hadn't, where some of the guys hadn't played in a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Pat Bev hasn't played. LeBron hasn't played. Um, even some of the stuff that none was doing, I thought their focus was just off, particularly offensively. Mm-hmm. They seem to be forcing the issue a lot more in this game than they had in previous games. Now, LeBron and AD, they looked fine as scoring threats, and they mm-hmm. both scored the ball efficiency efficiently Lonnie Walker did did as well so it's not all bad and I also thought some of the shots that got generated they these were good shots and the Lakers just missed them but if 
if you had two criticisms of this team where you thought, hmm, these are things that could be problematic on any given give night. It's the imbalance of the roster with so many small, small guys who should play. If, if they're on an NBA team, they should play, right? And you have too many of those, those guys. And so they're small. And then are they going to shoot well enough? on a night to night basis. And I thought both of those things were really strong, like the strongest that they've been in the preseason. They showed up tonight against the Timberwolves. And I just thought, well, one of those nights for them. So I I don't know how much to take from this, to tell you the truth. It, it, It was just one of those things though, where this was on the lower end of outcomes that I would expect for how well they've been playing throughout the preseason. And so do you slough that off because, Oh, Lakers are one in four in the preseason. Well, this was the worst game that they've played and they could have easily won the rest of their games based off of how they played in the competitive portion. So I'm I'm not as concerned about their record, but tonight I was just like, uh, this is kind of what it looks like when they're bad. Yeah, exactly. And this, I think, may be a rare instance where I'm a little more pessimistic than you are on this night, or I think it's a little more indicative of the type of team or players that'll give us issues. There was a play, for example, in late first or early second, haven't done my rewatch yet, but uh, Jalen Noel gave uh just went over the top of Kendrick Nunn and Nas Reed absolutely kicked our ass on a number of levels he had 19 and 11 I think at halftime um I think that weakness to again the system is so built around like hey we're gonna protect the paint and we actually started out playing pretty well and then uh Dilo stepped into a three that was open Edwards stepped into a three Nas Reed hit a pick and pop three and pick and pop fives are uh something that can take that can exploit this type of defense and then so that's where that discrepancy comes into play is not only are we not hitting our jumpers but we're naturally giving up a little cleaner looks than most teams do against a team that like you got really talented offensive players that are like well Thank you very much. I'm happy to shoot this jumper. And there are going to be some nights where the other team has that. And it's difficult to overcome that math. That said, my big takeaway from this is like, you need connecting players. Like to me, the connecting players on this team are JTA, Wenyan, Max Christie, even though that's a, he's deeper on, on the bench. Um, and Austin are the, and Pat Bev. Those are the five that are really the guys that can impact the game in a positive manner without a lot of shot attempts, without a lot of usage and will just like do their job and do make the right play, which isn't to say the other guys don't do that, but they're the most reliable and dependable in, at doing that. And those types of players, Like to me, in a good lineup, you need 2.5 scores and then 2.5 guys that can either do that or are finishers, right? Are either a lob threat, a catch and shoot type of guy. Um, But those connectors, those screen setters, the cutters, the dirty work type of guys, like if you don't have those guys in the lineup, it doesn't matter how talented your guards are. You're not going to be able to generate either quality looks or get stops on the other end consistently enough for it to work. I totally agree. This is where, like I said, it was one of the reasons why. So one of the reasons why I'm I don't want to say less pessimistic than you are, because all of the points you're making are really good, good points. And I think 
I had said over our text text thread that guards like D'Lo are going to be guards who give the Lakers some issues, mm-hmm. right? Because he is very good in the mid range. Um, he is a good pull up shooter off of the dribble, and Six so five. you have, yep. and he's got good size, right? And so you have to go over the top of screens on him, and he is not a guy who is going to really attack your big downhill where where he is then playing into what you want, right? Like, yeah, come on, come and right. come and try to score over the top of and Anthony Davis, that. right? Yeah, right. Yeah, he's not going to do that. Yeah. No, instead, so he's living in in that mid-range and he has mid-range gravity. And so he's also then a good enough shoe mm. shooter where the de- he does draw the defense in and he plays at a certain pace that keeps guys on their toes and sort of wanting to jab out at him, right? And so... That's when kickouts to Nas Reed or a kick out and then swing, swing. And then suddenly it's it's Anthony Edwards who's taking a pull up three or direct line kick out to to Ant. Right. There's a lot of stuff where it's just like the Lakers are built on keeping you in front of them. But when you're small, you then allow guys to go over the top of you even when they're in front of you. And I think like this roster is begging for a bigger wing. They just don't have one. Um, even on the trade market, it's not like the guys who have been linked to the Lakers through through trade talks have been big wings. It's not like they're talking about like, oh, yeah, the Lakers have the opportunity to trade for Jalen Brown. It's, no, that's not what the solution is a lot of these times, right? So so this is something that the Lakers are going to have have to manage and it's going to be tricky and it's going to put a lot of pressure on coach ham to find the right group will groupings and i thought tonight was not one of his better nights in terms of finding groupings that that worked right um i think he wanted to get all of his guards some playing time i think he wanted to see how some of these multi-guard lineups worked um i bet if jta was available he would have played Right. That's just my Mm -hmm. sense. But it's like it's hard to play six guards. It's hard to play five. Right. And and, um, ideally, if you're going to play five, five guards, you need a roster where one of those guards is bigger than the guards that the Lakers have. Right. Because I think Austin is right on the cusp of that and he's not quite big enough. It's like if Max Christie was one of those six guards, I would probably feel more comfortable. Like Mm -hmm. if he was fourth year pro Max Christie, who has grown into his game a little bit more and was 22 or 23 years old, I might feel better about like what the construction of this roster looks like because he's big enough and has enough swing size to say, well, you're a viable wing. You could have put him on McDaniels and I would have felt like, oh, that's totally fine, right? Like he'll he'll match up athletically and all of this other stuff, but it wasn't there tonight with this group of guys and the interesting question that that I have, and let's kick it to break here because I want you to address this when we come back on to the other side, is the precursor of what this does look like if these six guards are all going to play. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think we're going to continue to have these sorts of problems if all six guards play. Frankly, I, I still think that it should be four. Maybe you can get to five, but I think it's a four. Like I, I think guys like JTA and Wenyan in particular are, and, and this could go to Damian Jones. This could go to Thomas Bryant, but those are guys that didn't play tonight during the big minute. TB got a couple of minutes uh, in a late first quarter shift, but for the most part, those are the guys that we have with size that that's why I, like I used the word pessimistic earlier when it's more like, that wasn't it. Like that look wasn't it. And we can go to different looks. That's the point. Right. And so like, to me, the six guard thing, like I appreciate that we have all of this talent in this part of the roster and I could see it's getting to five, especially with Pat Bev in particular being probably the most equipped of the guards to guard up. Um, but there's just not enough collective size. So like with the starting Anthony Davis at the five and, and LeBron at the four, Typically, when you play those smaller type of lineups, that doesn't also correspond with a three guard lineup. Like there was a group I texted you guys in where it was like Austin, Nunn and Dennis. And I'll get to Dennis in a moment. But then it was Anthony Davis and Thomas Bryant at the four and five. So it's like, OK, we're going to be small on the perimeter. But college lineup. That's a college lineup that, right there. Totally. Where it's just like, hey, man, we got all these guards. These guards can cook. But we back it up with our two best big guys or whatever, right? Like the two exactly. centers and we'll twin towers in, in order to counterbalance that. Exactly. And so with LeBron and AD at the four and five, you're not small per se at that spot amongst starters, but you're not 
one of the bigger groups, right? That's a big small ball lineup is to have those two guys at the four five. And so I feel like there needs to be more size at one of the other spots. And again, this, this really points to the three spot because the one and the two, those guys totally fit that. But this goes to your point about Russ at the three earlier, where it's just, that's just not what he does, right? Like whatever you think of Russ, he's not a small forward. He's not a guy that they can't guard a guy like McDaniels or that isn't used to guarding a, a guy like McDaniels. And so that um, that's again, that place where it stands out. But with our bench groups in particular, we don't have to go to four guard groups like we did tonight. We can have the JTAs, the Wenyans, TB, Damian Jones, one of one more of those guys in the lineup. And then that has a domino effect that makes the whole lineup like, okay, that's, that's closer to size wise being what you need. It it really does correlate with that connector thing that you said earlier, right? Like mm-hmm. Russ isn't necessarily a connector player. He's typically been a high usage player over the right. course of his career. And he's been a distributor and, and, and a shot creator. And, um, when you look at his box score, you're just like, oh, this dude played 25 minutes and got up three shots and took four free throws or whatever. Right. Isn't it's that just crazy. Like, Russell like, Westbrook of all people. Yeah. Yeah. That's an Austin Reeves line. And it should be Austin Reeves who is basically filling that role as like the next guard in there, right? Like, look, you can play. I look at Lonnie Walker the same way I look at Kendrick Nunn, right? It's just like, oh, look, look at you. You're a three-level scorer. You're a shot-creating guard. You're you're a second-side guy who can play on the ball, run some pick and rolls, but really work off of LeBron and AD as a cutter and a spot-up shoe shooter and then have guys go over the top of screens on you, right? And he was fantastic at that tonight. I thought that his play off of LeBron and AD was exceptional. He did really well. And then you look at Pat Bev and Pat Bev is a Pat Bev. He's going to do all of the sort of defensive things and be a connecting player in in his own right. He will color outside the lines offensively some, but for the most part, he's going to spot up in the corner, run some pick and rolls now, now and then and try to create a shot late clock, especially like, oh, it's breaking down. Let me try to do do something. That's fine. Right. But that next guy, it's like what fits when it's next to LeBron and AD. And it's probably going to be a connecting player. It's going to be a guy who is a spot-up shooter, who can cut, who can make up, who is good at attacking a closeout and making passing reads, and it's going to compete defensively and plays with high motor. And those things don't necessarily correlate with Russell Westbrook's game at this point in his career, right? And that's fine. That doesn't mean Russ is a bad player, but it does mean he's probably a bad fit for that role. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's then that dominoes into like what these next lineups look like, right? Where now, now it's like, okay, well, Austin, you're going to be in this other lineup and you're with, you're with less star caliber players, right? So the ability to be that in-between guy, that connecting guy, isn't quite the same. And now he's working off of Nunn, who had a rough night. And he's working off of Dennis. And so I'm and I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on Bobo on Dennis. But then it's like AD and Thomas Bryant. And so it's like, it's not quite the same. And those lineups are out of balance a little bit too, right? And, and so... There is some maneuvering to take place that needs to take take place. And I hate to make snap judgments off off of one game, um, but that's kind of I you could sort of see this coming. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's not like this sort of played out in similar ways that we would have thought it did. And so that's why I'm very quick to say, well, that wasn't it. But take me back to Dennis a little bit. And what did you see from him? Because I know what I thought. So he was clearly getting back into a rhythm, right? He's joining a new team and all of that, right? So this is good. Just get some running, get a nine minute shift in and, uh, you know, break a sweat, get used to your environment. This is needed in regardless of how it goes. But from watching him, one thing that came back to me from watching him the season that he played with us is that he's this kind of paradoxical player in that he's a fast player who can slow things down at his worst. Meaning that you'd mentioned that he was a ball stopper when we had talked about him a couple of pods ago. And it's that term has different connotations, right? With different players, I think, but with Dennis, like, I, I, I guess with this style of play, it's at its best when the ball's kind of whipping around and ends up in that last spot, you know, that open corner three that you always seek out. And Dennis likes to like catch and hold for an extra beat, half a beat or whatever that I think once he gets adjusted to the system and to, you know, just playing with the team again, you know, just jumped right in tonight. I think he'll be able to get downhill on the slot drives in particular on some ball screen action that he didn't really do a lot of today. But again, that's part of the diminishing returns because he's out there with with none and with Reeves. And uh, I, I think Russ was out there at, for a stretch, too. He was part of that four guard lineup. So it's like Dennis didn't even really get a turn to do that. And. So I think that will come in time, but I do think that that natural like catch it and hold it for a beat a little bit longer is in part of Dennis's game that is there. I think that if you watched Boston last year, I think that that once they, he got out of the rotation, that freed that up as well. So I, I don't know. You're nodding along with, with me here. I want to hear your thoughts, but that's what stood out to me. No, it's just like Dennis is Dennis and he's going to do those things where like one of the reasons why I was sort of down on Dennis towards the end of his time with with the Lakers and why I was fine that they didn't ultimately bring bring him back is that he's just not my type of guard. Now that like. I am a very particular type of person, right? Like people want their steak cooked a certain way. It's just like I like my guards <laughs> to play a certain way. Yeah. Right. And so Dennis isn't a natural passer. Like he doesn't have great feel as a passer. That doesn't mean he can't pass and make some some good reads. Like um, if you watch him at Eurobasket, like or like when he was playing in in Europe, he was making some excellent passes and like really reading what the defense was giving him and, and making good shot pass decisions is as well. He even had that late clock feed in the second quarter, I think, to AD where he was late with the pass, but the read was a very interesting read where it's just like he saw who was on AD and it was a smaller player and he tried to ram the ball in there and ultimately it got through and AD caught, caught it. It wasn't the greatest pass, but it's just like, ah, like I saw the light bulb of sure. the idea of, oh, he sees this. Good. That's good. Um, so I agree with everything that you said about him sort of knocking the rust off. Like he hasn't played basketball since he was playing in Europe. 
right? And so one of the things that you talked about when in the aftermath of the signing was that idea of like, well, he's been playing high level basketball where other guys have not, right? Like he was playing high stakes. Yeah actual games and that flipped and with the visa stuff that that kind of flipped yeah, yeah. and but but now he hasn't been played basketball at all is what it looks like to me meanwhile, meanwhile and, these guys have been getting after it for a couple of weeks now yeah yeah and practicing and in the scheme and everything else right and so he looked a step behind and he looked a little bit uncertain in certain things and all of that stuff is going to to improve the bigger question i have is just more about I don't think that ball stopping style is ever going to be absent from what he part of him as a player. Yeah, does. Yeah, he's an attack player and he is an attack player based off of he likes to measure you up. Right. That's just how how it goes. And so he is looking at you. He is understanding where his angle is and he is trying to get to those spots on on the floor. And that requires a little bit of analysis at the very beginning of things in order to plan your route. And that's what happens when you're a small player who depends on speed a lot. It's not I can just go right through you or go right over the top of you. Like, no, you need to sort of map out your plan of action and what steps you're going to take in order to get to these spots on on the floor. There's some choreography to what he's 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 going to do as as a quick player. And that's just what it is with him. And 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 so how how easily that works in some of the lineups we're going to have to see, right? Like it may end up being that he's best used in lineups with both LeBron and AD again, because he worked pretty well in those lineups, his first stint around. Right. But again, only so many, when you have so many guards, only so many of them are going to get that prime real estate of LeBron and AD minutes. And he doesn't look like he's slotted to be a starter at this point. And it's just like, is he going to start over Walker? Is he going to start over Russ? Like he's not going to start over Pat Bev if that's, and you starting both of them gets tricky because they're both small guards. It's just like, so there's some limitations here. And I think we saw a lot of the Lakers, why their ceiling is where their ceiling is. We saw it tonight, I yeah. think. I, I do want to end on a bit of a bright spot, um, though. You were bringing up those LeBron and AD minutes, and I think both of them have been fantastic in their minutes throughout this preseason. And today's game was no exception. They're scoring very easily. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm like, when in and, and JTA in particular, the guy, and just like play your most serious defenders because I think that this type of style is uh, and these smaller lineups in particular are like going to be a boon for the efficiency of both LeBron and AD. So talk to me a little bit about what you've seen from them in their minutes this preseason. Just easy buckets, man, yeah. like easy going buckets. Like they look smooth and they look ready to threaten defenses in ways where it's just like, okay. Right. And LeBron, he is, he is tilting more towards doing more big man things. So he is screening a lot. He is screening and diving. He is cutting off of the ball a fair amount more. And these are all things that are, I think, only going to contribute to him being a more efficient scorer. Look, like it's hard 
it's hard, Pete, to be a guy who is going to score 25 to 28 points a night on high level efficiency when you have to, when you're starting and ending. Yeah, you got to like break down the the defense every time to do that. Yeah. And, And so he had a great reverse layup finish off of a nice drive in like pass from Austin where Braun snuck back door and and cut behind his man when 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 Austin racked middle um he had a couple of nice open court finishes where and attacking get well, well getting downhill he's picking and popping he's picking and like picking and rolling as the big man right um so there's a lot to like there with with what LeBron is doing in terms of AD like he is still, he is not 2019 AD. He is not the guy who is like top of the square guy. He's gotten a couple of lobs the last couple of games and they have not been the nope. super athletic lobs. They have been the like, oh, I'm inching these over the rim a little bit fin finishes, which is fine. He's seven feet. It's just like, it pays to be tall, right? But he looks confident and smooth with taking his jumper, which is nice. They didn't fall at the rate that they fell the other night, but that's fine. He's still going to get to the foul line. Um, He went five for eight tonight, whereas the other night, I think he went nine for nine or eight for nine or something like Mm -hmm. that. So that's going to come and go a little bit, but as long as he's shooting his jumper with confidence and then he's getting to his post-up spots and the turnaround jumper is falling and then he's still going to get those downhill stuff where he's catching lobs and able to sort of like even play in the short roll a little bit and like get fouled and hit little hooks and little floaters that's where ad and his soft touch around the painted area is so useful so he just looks ready to score an easy 25 points a night and have it not be a thing and if lebron is also going to be one of those guys who could score 25 points a night and it's not really a thing then that's even a bigger argument pete for you to get all those tryhards around them who can hit a cup yep play some defense get out and transition make sure that of those 25 points if six or eight of them come in transition if another six or eight of them can come at the foul line, then suddenly you're like, oh, I'm two thirds of the way there to buy 25 points and all that. And those have come in early offense chances and at the foul and, and at the foul line. That's how you're going to be an efficient offense as well. That's right. And the environment is set up for our two superstars to be able to do that. I think that we've seen throughout this preseason, just the multitude of opportunities that they'll get that, that have led to efficient production. And again, that's a big part of the reason why I, I want those tryhards D. Yeah. And one last thing, another good game from Lonnie Walker. Mm -hmm. He did leave the game with an ankle sprain, but before we go, talk to me one little quick blurb about Walker and what you've thought about him. And, and has he moved up the pecking order for you a little bit within the context of all these guards? Because he's shown me something. Very much so. He he blocked a jumper. He blocked a three in this game that was one of those like, oh, how did he get to that? Like, I've been so impressed by his effort level defensively and just his ability to do what's asked of him uh, on. And because that responsibility defensively, you got to chase guys around and then. And offensively, like he's so go, go, go. He's such a, a fantastic athlete and can score at speed. He, along with a couple, 
like a couple of our guards have the same weakness in that they have ambitious shot selection. Like when Walker gets a clean look, he reminds me so much of Jordan Clarkson as a scorer, because like when he gets a good clean look, like he's knocking that down. It's the one where he's like, I'm sort of open, but I elevate freaking three feet on my jump shot, my jump shot. So I can get it off. It's like the old Jurassic Park, uh, Dr. Malcolm, you know, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And that, so he has some of that with his shot selection, but I've been just super impressed. And like that level, it's funny, his level of athletic guard is another factor that makes like we don't need Russ to provide that. Like what Russ does, we don't need as much because like Austin can't get downhill like that. Kanan can't get downhill like that with power and athleticism, right? They're more skill type of guards. Pat Bev, same type of thing. But Lonnie Walker, man, there's a lot like there's a lot of heat coming behind him when he drives to the basket. And and so just that right there, I've been thrilled to see. And hopefully his his ankle injury doesn't last too long. Yeah, I'm interested in, well, I'd, I'd love to see him be healthy yeah. because um, he's shown me some stuff and his competitiveness defensively has stood stood out. And if he's going to compete at that level defensively, make those rotations, close out hard, then you know what? Take a bad jumper exactly. every now and then. Try to finish a layup when you jump from the freaking foul <laughs> line and do a backhand yeah. layup. It's just like, okay, bro. Like, we get it. You're super athletic. Like, you could try a few things if you're going to keep competing hard on that end of the floor. And that's that freedom that AD mentioned the other day too, right? Like, we'll give you this offensive free freedom if you hold up your end of the bargain defensively. And that's where I was super skeptical on Walker and game by game, he's winning me over. Right now, I'm not all the way one over, but it's just like he hasn't had a dud of a defensive performance yet, which is more than I can say for a couple mm-hmm. of the other guards who are vying for rotation minutes. Right. He came in and saying, I'm here to play defense. And remember, you and I were like, yeah, we'll see about that. The tape uh, suggests otherwise. And <laughs> good on him. He's been backing it up. So um, either way, very informative game tonight. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Only got a couple pods before the regular season starts. We'll be back tomorrow with a a new one but until then you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast we'll catch you guys next time Baines has got it in low to McHale McHale wants to turn his double team just pass out of front broken up by Worthy tip to Magic Worthy dies on his belly Magic scores there's Magic got it Magic fires it's in and the Lakers win the game the Lakers win the game three seconds left that next to the winner it's on the way good A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you Not kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one. Listen. Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. 
Trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.